Our chapter for today is Philippians chapter 2. It's a great chapter that I hope you've already read and given careful thought to. Um, this chapter helps us to realize that in many ways, Philippians is just one sustained exhortation to faithfulness and obedience. The meat of this chapter holds Jesus up as the supreme example of the obedience that we owe to God, which is followed by a strong appeal to give that very obedience and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, verse 12. There's, there's more in this chapter that we can, than we can adequately cover in, in the, the short amount of time we have, but I encourage you to read this chapter carefully on your own. So let's just uh, consider a couple of points here. And one, like I just mentioned, is the, the humility of the divine Christ. In verse 3, Paul tells us to do nothing from rivalry or, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Uh, this is not saying that others are more significant than you, but that as a follower of Christ, we are to count them, to reckon them as more significant than ourselves and treat them and act toward them accordingly. Why? Because this is exactly like Christ, whom Paul holds up as our supreme example. Paul says that Jesus uh, made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for undeserving sinners, by the way. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. And who was this Jesus who did these things? Well, Paul says he was in the form of God and possessed complete equality with God. Philippians 2, 6. We also know that Paul is referring to Jesus as God because in verse 10 he says that one day at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That that's not original with Paul. Paul there is alluding to Isaiah 45, verses 23 through 25, where it is God who says to me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. What Isaiah prophesies as happening to God, that is every knee bowing and every tongue confessing allegiance, Paul reveals here is actually happening to Jesus. What is prophesied of God in Isaiah is fulfilled in Jesus. Was Isaiah wrong? No. They were both right. Jesus is God. <laughs> and from that privileged place, Jesus humbled himself and counted others as more significant than himself. Try and imagine that. Think about that the next time you sense pride in your own heart rising up in a thousand different ways. We're, we're, we're never too humble. We cannot out-humble Jesus. But Paul knows that this kind of humility is not automatic, even for the Christian. So he proceeds with a wonderfully encouraging exhortation um, that, that we find in Philippians 2, 12, and 13. It's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul had encouraged us to exhibit the humility of Christ in our daily lives, but knows, like I just said, that that doesn't happen automatically. That's an incremental development in us as we daily, as he puts it in verse 12, work out our own salvation. Now notice Paul does not say work for your own salvation, but rather work out your salvation. That's a, that, 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 the Greek word behind that, work, uh, behind work out your salvation, is a farming term. It means like to cultivate, uh, it's like to cultivate the dirt 
to cultivate the ground before you plant the seeds in it, you know. And so things will grow and grow grow and flourish. Um, so in this sense, cultivate the salvation that's already there. Um, the salvation, he's already said that in, in chapter 1. The salvation that we already possess is solely based on uh, the work of Jesus Christ and God beginning that good work in us. Um, so it's something that we already possess, but we're still learning how to cultivate that day by day and learning to apply and live that out in our daily life. And the most encouraging part of this exhortation in verses 12 and 13, though, is that little word for at the transition between the two verses. It's encouraging to uh, because I know no matter how hard I try, I'm not Jesus, and I can't turn myself into Jesus, and God knows that about me. That's why that word for is graciously there, having given us the command to work out our own salvation. He says the reason is because it is God who works in you, for it is God who works in you, because of that. In fact, Paul says that God works in us both to will and to work. That's verse 13. He puts, he, God puts the will in us so that we work. God knows that left alone, we don't obey primarily because we don't want to. We're sinners. So he puts the want to in us as well. And for that reason, the harder we work each day uh, to grow in grace and to grow in the likeness of Christ, the more we can be sure that God is already working in us. We only work because he is already working in us, whether we realize it or not. This, by the way, is another reason why Paul could say, like I said back what he said in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 6, that God who began the good work in us will certainly carry it on to completion at the day of Christ Jesus because every day between now and then, he is willing and working in us to make us more like Christ and make us ready for that day. Those are just a couple of thoughts from Philippians chapter 2.